It was great to be able to see so many of you with us last week at the park, at the Bower in Madawi. Um, it was a fantastic morning to be able to get together. It was quite different, wasn't it? But it was still great. Uh, Matt came up with the goods with a, with a good coffee at the start and just being able to, in a more social setting, start the new year, um, saying, um, God, we are here together as family. Will you speak to us? And so that, that was fantastic. And, and Aaron started last week sharing uh, a part of a new series that we're doing at the moment, and, and that is God Is. And, and that idea of last week saying that God is all-knowing. God knows everything. And for that reason, there's nothing that we can hide from God. And that can be a real reassurance because he still comes and he still loves us and he came to set us free and he knows everything we're going through. It was a fantastic message. If you didn't catch that, you can go to our website, rtcc.org.au. No, you can't because it was at, it was at the park. You missed out. <laughs> ah, you should have been there. <laughs> Aaron's... Off away on holidays this week on, on a well-deserved well break, so um, we appreciated him doing that. This week we're going to be looking at another characteristic of God, and the big Bible word that we would be using for this is God's immutability. Oh, I had to make sure I said that right. God's immutability. Put your hand up if you know, yeah, yep, yeah, I'm all over that big word. Put your hands up and go, oh, I have no idea what the heck you're talking about. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we're going to unpack it, and we're probably one of the last times we're going to be using that word immutability. But, you know, if we wanted to use that word im, immutability, we, we often use that in words in English to be saying the opposite of. So, for example, um, we have possible, and then we have impossible, something which is can happen, something that, that can't happen. We have perceivable, and then we can all in our best um, uh, princess bride voice say, imperceivable, imperceivable. We have mobile, and we have immobile, the, the two different opposites. We have penetrable, penetrable, and we have impenetrable. Now, if we look at that, uh, the word in immutability or immutable, we have that word mutate, which most of us would apply to some sort of Hollywood blockbuster, whether that be X-Men or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for all of those 80s cartoon fans. But this word, when we use that word, it mutate, it means moving from one state to another or being changed in some form or way, and therefore immutable or immutability would mean doesn't change. And today, we're going to be spending the next 25 minutes or so, hopefully, on the fact that we can take great comfort in knowing God never changes. God never changes. We're going to hear that a lot today. God never changes. He is unchanging. He is always the same. In actual fact, we have in Hebrews 13 and verse 9, where we talk about Jesus being the same yesterday, today, and 
forever. Always the same. God doesn't change. Now, we're surrounded in a world today which is infatuated by relativism, aren't we? So what is, what is, what is it like today and, and how is it different from yesterday? And how do we adapt? How do we change? What is the, the story or the narrative that we want it to be today? Because I don't like what it was before, so we'll make it different to what we want it to be today. One of the best sort of examples when I think about that sort of a change shown in its fullness might have been um, the 21, 2021 series of The Block. Yes, we talked about, Chris talked about some tragics, uh, Christmas tragics. Well, we have some block tragics among us. I think you've mentioned it before, Chris. You've been part of, part of that group of people. But there was this uh, particular couple where they were being talked about in this particular series that she constantly talked about, well, well that's your truth, but my truth is this. And it was told over and over again in what was unfolding to be a huge lie. But that was her truth. And you needed to respect her truth because her truth needs to be um, fine by everyone, even if it's not the truth. You have their truth, you have my truth, and then you have the truth. But we needed to accept her truth. This idea of relativism has really taken hold. We see an, an expectation of people to be affirming and accepting of a changing narrative in the favour of whatever they want it to be, regardless of whether it's the actual truth or not. More and more we see in this world, in Australia, and in our community, an expectation to accept new ideas with this changing narrative. But the problem with this is there's no way to base this changing narrative to anything solid. So it's an expectation of blind acceptance of anything and everything. Is that okay? Well, some would say, yeah, that's fine. But it doesn't bring stability, does it? Instead, it brings instability. It promotes unhappiness. It creates anxiety and uncertainty in our lives. So it's refreshing to have a look today that as a Christian, within this environment of flexibility and changing narratives, that we can hold on to this one truth, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's pray before I unpack with you all and we explore Hebrews together. Jesus, we want to pause And we don't want to just accept anything blindly. We want you to speak to us now, Lord. We pray by your Holy Spirit to understand that you are truth. To know you are faithful. To know you are unchangeable. 
and we can fully trust you. Amen. If you've got a Bible with you, I invite you to turn to the passage we're going to be looking at today, which is Hebrews chapter 6. I'm going to be reading from verses 16, sorry, verses uh, 13 through to 20. I've also, will have it up on the screen. Um, if you didn't bring a Bible today, we're going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Hebrews chapter 6, starting at verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself, I will indeed bless you, and I will greatly multiply you. And so, after waiting patiently, Abraham obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and for them, confirming oaths ends every dispute because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise he guaranteed it with an oath so that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us we have this hope as an anchor for the soul firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So three things for us to be taking out of this passage today. The first thing is that God's promises never change. God's promises never change. If God is unchanging, then the promises that he makes in the Bible will always come true. God always keeps his promises. Verse 13 and 14, we see um, this uh, recall of history where God makes a promise to Abraham that he would bless him, that he would multiply him, that he would become a great nation. And later on, it says in the text that all people will be blessed because of him. God gave that promise to Abraham and it happened. Now, that was just used as a brief example there, but we know throughout scripture that God makes promises many times. God says something will happen and it will happen. If we forward to Moses, Exodus 3 says, And the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings, and I have come to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians to bring them to that land, to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. That's the place which he had promised to Abraham would be land given where they would multiply. And God gave that promise to Moses and it happened. God gave a promise to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And we hear the incredible stories in Joshua of what happened 
how God used Joshua as part of establishing that nation. We read in about David, 2 Samuel chapter 7, talking about a house and a throne which will last forever. He promises David that his desire to have a house built will happen. It won't happen by you, David, but it will happen. And there will be a kingdom and a throne which will last forever. Talking about the one day that Jesus Christ would come. And it happened. He said to Mary, You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And it happened. All through biblical history, we see God giving promises and then fulfilling them. God always keeps his promises. So this gives us confidence to know that if God's always keeping his promises, and we've seen how he's done that in scripture, then he will continue to do so for promises that he has for us through promises which we haven't yet seen fulfilled in Scripture because the nature of God is he's unchanging. He will do it. So what sort of promises today does he have for us? Promise that he'll always be there for you. Hebrews 13.5, God has said, I will never, never fail you or forsake you. Maybe that's a promise you need to hear from God this morning. The promise of salvation, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a promise God's given. He always keeps his promises. A promise from freedom of sin's grip in your life. This might be relevant for you today. In this time where everything around you, you've got all of these temptations, all of these uh, things pulling you left, right and centre towards sin. Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. God will make a way. If you are struggling with sin, turn to him. He will make a way. Is that a promise for you this morning? What about the promise of his provision? when we have all of these uncertainties and we can't see things away ahead and we have anxiety about what's going to happen, what do we do? Matthew 6, 25 to 26 says, this is why I tell you, don't worry about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? God will provide. And this most beautiful promise 
for everyone. John 14, verse 3. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself so that where I am, you will be also. If you've accepted that promise of salvation and you have prayed to the Lord your God, then you know that he is with you to give freedom from sin's grip and temptation, that he is there for you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you on the journey and that he is preparing a place for you and he will come back and he will take you to be with him forever. He is an unchangeable God. We've seen his promises in the past. He will fulfill his promises into the future. Second point, God's character never changes. God's promises never change. God's character never changes. Let's read again in um, this um, passage in Hebrews 6, verse 16. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and for them confirming oath ends every dispute. Because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath so that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong hope to seize the hope before us. If God is unchanging, then he is completely reliable. He will not fail. He won't change his mind. He won't decide to do something else. God doesn't lie. If he takes an oath, he guarantees it. I was preparing this and I was thinking, am I going to unpack this, what this really means? And ultimately, I think this is probably for another day. But I want you to know that God has said clearly and he has demonstrated through Scripture that if God makes an oath, if God guarantees it, that means it will happen. It's completely reliable. The colloquial term, you can take it to the bank, is what you can say about this. God will make it happen. The realities are God made it happen in such a way that he guaranteed it, absolutely guaranteed that he will do, the, do what he promised. And in actual fact, he will continue to guarantee it even when we haven't done what we've promised. God still made it happen for his purpose. What was that purpose? Well, basically, God was guaranteeing to keep his side of a covenant that he had made with Abraham and taking on the consequences of his people breaking theirs by paying for those consequences once and for all on the cross through Jesus. He said he would do it. He kept his promises. More than that, he covered over our failure of our promise to suit his purpose. God doesn't lie. Numbers 23.19 says, God is not a man that he might lie or a son of man that he might change his mind. Does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? It's a rhetorical question. 
course he always keeps his promises. Of course he will act when he speaks. That means today that if God doesn't lie and he has given us the Bible as his revelation, everything in it is consistent. Everything in it is truth and we can rely on it. We don't need the Bible and some other sacred text or another person for further revelation. The Lord will use other people and other books and the church, etc., to reveal himself, sure, but at all times it needs to be consistent and complementary to what he has revealed as the truth, to what he has revealed and said, because God will always keep his promises and he has given it to us in Scripture. Nothing is as sacred as the truth. Nothing is sacred as the truth except what God himself has said. I want you to think about that. Nothing is sacred as the truth except what God himself has said. Now that has some pretty big implications for us as Christians. It means that any description of heaven or salvation from sin that is outside of this scripture or is contrary to scripture is unreliable and therefore it's dismissible in the context of reliability. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, we all know it quite well. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Complete and equipped. The word of God will show you how to have completeness in Christ and be equipped for every good work. God's word is enough. That means any person, any church, whether it be the Pope or a denomination, any prophet is fallible and testable to what God himself reveals about himself and his purpose in his word. It's even more important to, therefore, to be careful of whom you're listening to when it's from someone who doesn't even claim to be a Christian. So what does that really mean when I say this is big implications for us as a Christian? It means anything we see as being fluid in nature today. I did use that word intentionally must be compared to the unchanging nature of God and what he has revealed in Scripture about any issue. That would include sex and sexuality, both in terms of gender and identity and in the way that any guy or girl will conduct themselves before marriage and during marriage. God has set what his purpose is in Scripture. If you want to know what is right or what is wrong, come to the Word of God because God doesn't lie. His words are unchanging. So if it is different from what is in the Bible, 
It's unreliable. You can't hold on to that. You have to accept God at his word because he is an unchangeable God. It's in terms of permissiveness of any sort of behaviour that we might find acceptable today. Well, everyone else does it. Most of the other Christians do it these days. Does that mean it's okay? Well, what does God say? Read the word of God. He doesn't lie. If he says this is the way you should live, it's probably the way you should live. If you have made a decision to declare with your mouth and accept in your heart that Jesus is Lord, to be saved. They're pretty big implications. It includes the way we treat others, even if they're jerks. The Bible doesn't say, well, if they're jerks, treat them as jerks. I was having this good conversation with someone the other day about how to accept this person has been quite hurt by some Christians uh, that they were close to. And we talked about how can we react on Jesus' nature, God, who is an unchangeable God, at the cross looked at those who had betrayed him and said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. The word of God reveals to us the truth of the way God wants us to live. And as a Christian, we need to be able to be careful of what we listen to. The Christian should be able to match any behaviour or a viewpoint or a moral reasoning, whether it be on Q&A on the ABC, whether it be what John Laws says, whether it be what's on TikTok, whether it be on what's on the Facebook or what we instead go to Telegram to read, what is God's truth and what is the character of God? It needs to be a character of God which is consistent with his nature and order. So what is it about God's character that we can learn from? What is God's character? These God is words are words which you would all know. They're not new for you. God is loving. That's who he is. He hasn't started becoming loving. He always has been, always will be, always is. God is good. God is holy. God is just. God is compassionate. God is gracious. God is kind. God is merciful. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. In fact, if we even went to Galatians 5 and looked at the fruit of the Spirit, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Kids, can you remember? You yell that real quick. Love. Nice work. Love it. They're all the characters of God. It's fruit of the Spirit. God's fruit because of the nature and the character of God, is love, joy, peace, patience. That's God's character. 
He always is, always has been, always will be. Note we read in verse 18, so that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope before us. This morning we have this beautiful reminder to flee. Now, this passage is probably very much referring to Christians of the day running for their lives. They were being persecuted. They were in danger of being killed. They were fleeing. (laughs) When we want to talk about anxiety for the Christian, the same God who says, you do not need to worry about anything, was saying to them here today, have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. You're running away to a place of refuge. Often that might have been a cave or somewhere which had been set apart for those which were escaping. It was almost like the bar. I'm bar. You played that game of tips? Hold on to something? I'm bar. I don't know. Is that the word you guys use? Is there another word? Pause. It's like, no, you can't touch me. Like, flee to this refuge, flee to this cave, flee to wherever this was. But ultimately, it's a recognition of you're fleeing to God. You are completely fleeing to God at his mercy in this situation. There is nowhere else to run to. Well, with the busyness, the noise, the voices crying out to you, the disappointments, the desires, uncertainty you feel. I want you to find hope as you flee. Flee towards God, a place of refuge. Don't run to any other place to go bar. Don't run to any other saviour. Because if you run to someone or something else other than the one and only true God, the Saviour, it's a false God. You're running to someone in the hope of rescue who can't do that. You won't find lasting refuge there. You might find that one person as being a person where you can find great refuge and then be disappointed by that person. There is nothing that you can run to which will be, can give you complete secure hope other than Jesus. Most of all, when it comes to being saved from yourself and your sin, there's no other way for salvation. God has made it clear that he is exclusive in theism. God's exclusive. Commandment number one, Exodus 20, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt from that promise. He said he would do and he did it. Out of the land of slavery... You shall then, next one, you shall have no other God before me. Or John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. God has made a statement, a promise. 
I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. God's exclusive. And God never changes. Point number three, where we finish up on. God's purposes never change. If God is unchanging in an ever-changing world, you are safe in the hope of Jesus. God's purpose, which we were seeing before, we were talking about purpose. What is that? God's purpose is that he loves us and desires relationship with each and every one of you. Whether you're listening here in this service or whether you're listening in online, his purpose is to bring you into a right relationship with him. And that's why when he gave all those oaths mentioned earlier, he covered his promise and he also covered the consequences of mankind breaking their promise because he desires a relationship with each one of you. He has made it possible through Jesus taking away a barrier of sin which stops us from having that relationship. So, our final aspect of understanding God's unchanging nature, that we can have um, an understanding that that means that God's purpose never changes, that drew me to um, an old hymn. I don't know if that was coming to you when you read about that um, as I was reading out the verse earlier. You might know it. I'll read the words out. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I'll wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. So will you read that final part of Hebrews 6 with me, starting at verse 19? Let's actually go back to um, the bit before it says, We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become the high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Um, I'm thinking a way to wrap this up. I've got a, f- a photo or a series of uh, two photos up on the screen for you. I was hanging around with the Galloways the other day and whilst I was with them, I discovered this boat which looked awfully familiar and after some questioning with Breddy, discovered that the boat, and you can see all of our kids in there, I've got Lil in there as well because... That was the boat that the Blatch Billet families grew up with, which was held at Soldier's Point. It was my dad's boat. And um, that's dad there. 
um, I think, grumpily <laughs> about to take us um, for a row in the boat. But it brought back beautiful, happy memories. And um, it was beautiful to be able to see it being used and see it continuing to be used. It was amazing. And the fact is that the boat hasn't gone that far. It's literally gone across the bay to the other side, to Pindima <laughs> from Soldier's Point. That boat has seen a lot of time uh, in the bay. It's um, one particular time was um, when I, as a 17-year-old, thought it would be really cool with my best mate Ashley to go and take his then-girlfriend and my then-girlfriend away for a romantic trip across the bay from Lemon Tree Passage, and we might go across to Soldier's Point or to Salamander Bay. We'll have something nice to eat for lunch there. And... I didn't look at all at what the weather was. Now, that looks beautiful there, doesn't it? Can I tell you that that can be an awful place whenever the weather turns? Uh, to the fact that the weather turned when we were halfway across from Lemon Tree Passage, moving towards, we were, we were moving towards Taylor's Beach, <laughs> uh, but then a storm hit. And... Um, it didn't matter what we did with the four of us loaded up with our six horsepower motor. Um, that boat was going to go wherever the storm wanted to take it. We were surfing waves in the bay. It was lots of fun, wasn't it? <laughs> She's never been in a dinghy with me since. <laughs> it was pretty rough. And probably, like, I thought it was fun. But... But it was a bit concerning and scary. Um, it got even more scary when the boat, no matter what we did, was being pushed against oyster leases. And we ended up all over the oyster leases, completely caught up. And we just had to stop and wait until the storm passed then. It was, it was surprising how what seemed like a beautiful bay and a nice, easy and romantic trip along turned into something very messy, very stormy. Um, and not very enjoyable for the majority of the people in that boat. Um, what I don't recall in my maturity and my best mate's maturity was um, at the front of that boat is a rope. And with that rope, it, it has an anchor. <laughs> and if you needed to, you could just throw the anchor out and you wouldn't drift into oyster leases. It's amazing, isn't it? Incredible. Anchors can do a lot of good. Anchors are a beautiful analogy when we talk about hope in Jesus. And it's interesting that it says here in verse 19, we have this anchor, this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Or as the hymn says, my anchor holds within the veil. Now, when we talk about what this anchor or this curtain, this veil, we're talking about this recognition that God as a holy God had a place where only a priest in the order of Melchizedek, only a priest could go in to be there to be able to make sacrifice 
for the sins of God's people. When Jesus died on the cross, it says in Scripture that the curtain, the curtain was torn from top to bottom. It was made available for all people to be able to go to that holy of holy places to meet with your God. It also could be when we talk about things like that, this reference of this understanding that we actually have an anchor that holds on to in hope beyond what we can see or by what we have any power to do anything about. Our anchor holds in Christ in all situations. Now, the good thing about an anchor, if you ever have a boat, I'm not, I don't know what it's like with a big ship, but at least with a boat, if you've got an anchor and it's well held, when you're pulling the anchor up, is the anchor just being dragged towards you or is the boat moving towards the anchor? If it's really well held, your boat's actually shifting towards the anchor until it gets to that point where you're going to lift it up. If your anchor holds within the veil and you're holding onto the anchor, then if you've got like, you know, whether it's a big boat and a winch and it's pulling up this anchor or you're pulling in this, you're moving towards that. You're ever moving closer towards where that anchor is. When your anchor holds within the veil, you are moving closer, ever closer towards that hope which is in the veil. You're not just here waving about all the time and going nowhere. When you're pulling on that rope, when that anchor, when you're moving closer towards that anchor, till eventually that hope is able to lift it because you are at your destination, then you know that you are secure with that anchor and you're drawing ever closer towards God. Now, for us as Christians today, what can we really draw from this? If our hope is anchored to Jesus, then we can actually be drawn to him. If you are in a place where there's storms and you're in a boat and you've got an anchor which is holding you and you see some people drowning around you, you're going to want to grab them, aren't you? You want to bring them into the boat. Or if they've got an anchor, you tell them where to throw the anchor because you know where that anchor holds and brings hope. Whatever the case may be, you're actually wanting to draw people to this place of stability where it is safe, where it's reliable, where it won't move. God's purpose is to bring mankind into relationship with him. He started at the garden where he would walk in the coolness of the night with them. Sin caused us to be separated from a holy God. God dealt with everything at the cross. Our broken promises of God will follow you, will follow your commandments because none of us can do that. And then has allowed for us to be able to draw near to God because he's made it possible for us. As a Christian in 2023, if you're floundering around in the storm, or imagine that it's not just a storm that's hit and you're there and you're being dragged, you're actually being dragged towards some rapids where you'll fall. You could be a Christian which goes, my anchor holds within the veil. Hey, this is 
fun. I'm just going to wander around and I'm actually going to let the rope out a little bit and just follow what everyone else is doing. But it's not a great place. It's not safe and it will cause trouble for you. You're still going to be holding on to the veil. God will still hold you because God's promises never fail. He says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. But how foolish for you as a Christian to know that and you're just going to wander around and hang around and doing what everyone else is doing. Instead, against the flow in repentance, we're moving towards Jesus and we're coming closer and closer towards him. Then as you do that, other people are going to notice and you want to invite them to also cling to what you cling to so that they might be safe, so that they're not going to be going down with the rapids. You want to introduce them to the God who will save them, to the one who will rescue. Let that be what you want to be doing in 2023. You see, the final part is going, the more we trust in an unchangeable God, the crazy thing is the more we will actually change. I was pretty impressed with that. That possibly might be my first tweetable quote. The more we put our trust in an unchanging God, the more we change to be like him. The more you trust him, the more you're going to start seeing the fruit of God and his character happening in your own lives. Love, joy, peace, patience. You're moving closer towards where the anchor is holding and you're coming closer to salvation, knowing that he's going to come to take you, that he's going to rescue you, that he's already done everything which is necessary for you. I want you to know that whilst we are fallible, God is infallible. God is immutable. He is an unchanging God. God never changes. Let's pray. Father, I want to say thank you that we can find confidence in you, that you are an anchor of hope in our lives, that Jesus, through salvation, you have revealed your purpose. Your purpose has never changed. You've made it possible when we read through Scripture from the beginning of the Word of God to the end. That you love us, that you've done everything necessary on the cross for us to be brought back into right relationship with you for your glory. God, thank you that we can trust you as being firm. We can trust you that you will keep your promises. We can trust you in your character. We can know that you are the way and the truth and the life. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you might overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.